Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Folks, this is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. So we talked about, uh, well, first, let me say, hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit those socials, hit the follow button, enjoy the content that we're bringing to you every day, behind the scenes stuff on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram, the mm-hmm. Wesson Walker Twitter. Also, you can hit us up on the personal Twitters. Walkers is at Walker Mail. I am at West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. And then Shroppy, I forgot, what is your uh, Twitter? What is yours? Twitter is Shroppy WFNZ. Okay. Got the tagline in yep, there. Yep, just keeping it simple. And so we talked about before the break, we're going to have a little bit of heavy running back talk here, and it's going to be spearheaded by Saquon Barkley, still doesn't have the long-term deal. And we've heard a lot of players come out, especially with Dalvin Cook being released as of late. And a lot of people talk about the value of the running backs. And, man, I, I forgot which player was that came out. It was another running back and was really going in about. Josh Jacobs, probably. Yeah, I, 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 well, I, I know that there's some talk about him really wanting to try to resurrect the running back value, which seems to have gone as the years have continued on, but also this offseason, Wes, which is kind of the talking point for me, is the fact that Miles Sanders got one of the bigger, did he get the biggest free agent running back contract he this offseason? He did. Not six mil. Yeah, notwithstanding the Saquon potential because you get the, the tag placed on him. But usually we would all, always have these running back value conversations, but they'd but the, the good guys would still get big time money. Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, they would still still get top money. Mm-hmm. Now it's not really hitting like that this offseason. I wonder if that has finally caught up with top execs saying, no, we, we still just can't quite give you double digit million dollars annually. Yeah. And so that's the thing when you look at it, because you're talking to a guy as a former offensive lineman. I love running backs. I always have since I was a kid. I think they just are an, an uber-talented position. I love what they're able to do in the field and what they can bring to your football team, especially when you talk about closing out games. These guys are the closers. And I know the NFL and, and football, for the most part, is a throwing league now where the quarterbacks can still close games, getting key third-down completions. But still, at the end of the day, you're going to want to line up and run that football because it makes the game so much easier. I do feel like running backs – are getting devalued, uh, and I know that their shelf life can sometimes not be uh, what you want it to be, and that's the number one factor why people don't want to pay them because they take the most punishment of any of the skill positions because there's no way they're going to carry the ball 15 to 20 times and not take at least a minimum of two to three hits on a given play, and that does wear on your body. But I just feel like a guy like Saquon, he hurts his case from the fact of the early years of his career, him not being available. And I think that's why the Giants are looking at it a little bit like, well, giving them some calls to pause. He had a great season last year, but before that, this was a guy that you could put the injury-prone tab on. And so when you flip it to the Carolina Panthers, 
and you have Frank Reich talking about Miles Sanders and what he has meant to this team so far, loves what he sees in and out of the locker room. Then he talks about as well that he was a really big addition, and I would agree with him because Miles is a guy with a rookie quarterback he's going to be dependent on a lot, and he's the only pro bowler so far that that's current, the most current pro bowler that you have on the roster. And so do you deal or how do you view his deal compared to others? Yeah, with Miles, he's the 11th paid running back in the league. Guys that he's behind right now, you've got some of the top names that I won't go over. James Conner, Saquon Barkley are the two ahead of him. Right behind him, it's Austin Eckler, who was looking for a trade once upon a time, looking for a different contract, and eventually decided on some incentive late in contract with the Chargers. But ultimately, as they've done in the past, Chargers held firm with any kind of contract negotiation, got it their way, and Austin Eckler is going to be back within that offense again. David Montgomery with the Lions, B. John Robinson, first-round pick. We can stop there as far as the guys who got paid a little lower. And so his running his contract was the highest this offseason, while we still have somebody like Saquon Barkley still trying to get a long-term deal done, and it hasn't happened. And we all know Saquon, as far as the talent level goes, is more talented than Miles Sanders. And we know about Saquon having a good year. He was healthy. And he was a big time. If you drafted him in fantasy, he took that gamble. For the most part, it paid off for you. And when he was asked about his optimism level, getting a long-term deal done, he said, I don't know, a couple times. The optimism doesn't seem to be there for Saquon. Josh Jacobs, it looks like there are reports about him really trying to get that value resurrected. But who knows if the Raiders are going to do it. There just hasn't been any precedent or evidence, I should say, that says you should pay these guys recently. Most of the contracts, maybe all of them, have told you it's not a good idea to pay these guys long term. Christian McCaffrey is one you can go to here locally. Derrick Henry, he looked like he had the body type to debunk that myth. But he has been banged up with some injuries here. Now, it doesn't mean he's not a freak of nature whoa, 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 when he's whoa, out there. Whoa, whoa. He has. He, he got injured two well, he, years ago in the second severe, half. But he had a severe injury, though. But, so but that, no. that, that's going to happen to a ball player. But it, but especially the running back position because you are pursued so much. I know that's your favorite player in the NFL. I knew I was going to get something. I know, but hold on. He did miss the second half of the season two years ago. Right. And I'm not trying to take away any skill level. I'm giving you the fact that that guy is an absolute freak. Yeah, and that he came body, back and played 16 and ran for 15, 38. Yeah. With a team that didn't make the playoffs. Okay. No, but 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 that matters. <laughs> that one hurt him. That one hurt him. Right. But that was, that was the thing about how you should allocate your money. And we'll see if they can allocate their money towards other positions. I don't know if there's an overwhelming sense that the Derrick Henry contract told you you should pay running backs all that money. And by the way, if Derrick Henry is so different, if that body is so different, then nobody else has it. Why would you go like you can't use that as an example to pay any of these other running backs, right? Like it, it almost works both ways. Whether you believe sure. you should pay Derrick Henry or not, he's the anomaly. He's the anomaly. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then well, you can use that evidence of missing the second half two years ago. All I'm trying to say is, I wonder if NFL ex- execs have finally caught up to not paying the top-notch running backs double-digit million dollars a year anymore. To where Miles Sanders' contract is viewed as the highest, and it's like, well, I don't know how much you should really be paying a guy like that that much money it's going to be interesting to see but I think he's got a big part in this offense going forward yeah I think he does too and I think that kind of is where the value lies because you look at Miles in his career 
and he's played 11 games twice, especially in 2020. Had some injuries, 11 games out of the possible 12, 12 in 2021. So he's kind of got a little bit of a rep of a guy that gets banged up a bit. And I think it's just going to take guys. I think for running backs, I will say to be fair, the guys have got to come in and stay healthy. It's yeah. really hard. I mean, you're talking about the speed of the game, the violence. It's impossible, you know, for guys just to come out year in, year out. It feels like the running backs of yesteryear, and this was an interesting conversation that I had with one of my friends that coached high school football because, to your point, I asked him. I said, man, I said, it feels like the running backs from when I was a kid, they were able to play all day long. The Emmitts, the the Barry Sanders, and, and all those type of guys were able to play long seasons. Look at Eddie George, a power back. And he played for a long time at a high level, about eight or nine seasons that he was a, a dominant power back. But they talked about, and he told me a lot of the specialized training now, how these guys train all year round. And just that adds to it on top of the brutal beating you're going to take physically, but just the constant running, cutting, jumping, explosion, the stress that you're putting on your body, your tendons and things like that, that when you're doing that all year round, your body is going to give out at some point. I think it's going to take for these backs just to come in and they're going to have to stay healthy and they're going to have to be high-level players and prove their value before you will see guys get huge deals. Now, you look at a guy like a B. John Robinson coming in with his potential. I think he has the looks of a guy who's going to be able to play for a very, very long time. Chubb, when you talk about Chubb out there in Cleveland, Nick Chubb, he's a guy also. He played all 17 last year. He's had a little bit of injury history, but he's been fairly durable, playing 68 out of a possible 75 games that he's played. So it's going to just take the guys coming in, being special players, showing that value, and being able to be available. If Miles Sanders plays here for two seasons as one of the top guys on the team and is available at all times, then I think he probably will uh, get a pay bump because Frank Reich – Call Miles Sanders a really big signing. As I said, he's your most current pro bowler. I think this is a guy we saw him talking about the Super Bowl situation, how upset he was, and I think he was definitely devalued there. Seven carries in the Super Bowl. He only played 34% of the offensive yeah. snaps to Kenneth Gainwell, who had 50% of those snaps. So he seems like a very hungry guy out to prove a point. And so what are the expectations that you have for Miles Sanders? Well, it's a great point you bring up, honestly, no one really talks about because he did have a really good regular season for them. And then you get to the Super Bowl where it's time to play with the best team in football. We could all easily say that about Kansas City. It was vindicated by them winning the Super Bowl, but we know how good they were coming into that game. It's why so many people picked them because you just didn't feel good enough going against that guy in Pat Mahomes. And so now when you look at Miles Sanders, this is someone that got 50% of the snaps after running for close to 1,300 yards with sure. Kenneth Gainwell. And part of that is maybe you don't trust him in the passing game compared to a guy like Gainwell who did play some wide receiver at Memphis. And Miles Sanders, ha I, I believe in the passing, which, which makes this a lot more tenable for me, Wes, as far as me being okay with the signing. Because I, I do believe that there can be something resurrected from him as far as his 50-catch season he had his rookie year. Yeah. And so if you can salvage that, I do think he's going to have a big role. The offensive line, it's not as good as Philadelphia's, but it's still good. You can still get production from a guy that Miles that um, had a nice year just last season. So I do think that Miles will play a big role. And even with me... Running back value contract guy, right? Singing it to the rooftops, anybody that will listen. 
it's not a backbreaking type of contract. It's when you get into the twelve million a year or something like that with these top notch dudes that becomes somewhat backbreaking. But with this, this is not the one that I'm looking at and say, "Oh man, they shouldn't have done that." You might not like the signing, but you can get past this very easily, especially if you can get out of it after two years. He plays with the team. Yeah, and really quick, do you feel like that a lot depends on how the team uses them? Like. Is it the team's responsibility if they run a guy in the ground or you expect them to be able to come in and do, you know, basically do what they need to do and however much they are going to be used, then that's just what it is. And that's that's your job, because like, do you want to split between them is what you're saying? Well, And not even necessarily to split. But do you feel like it's on the teams to look and say, all right. How can our guy be the most effective? Because you look at Christian McCaffrey when he was here. Is it the Panthers' fault that some of the injuries with him occurred when he comes off 2018, 326 touches, 2019, 403 touches? We know that 350 is a magic number before backs get hurt. The next season he goes 76, 136, then 329, and then 118. You look at Derrick Henry and where he's at, and I won't go after all of his stats, but the last three seasons, 397, 237, 382, Kamara is another one, 270, 287, 280 in the last few seasons. And then you go look at Miles Sanders and the touches that he's had, 192, 163, 279. So is it on the teams really quick to make sure that they're protecting these backs from further injury by just running them into the ground and using them a ton? I think two ways to think about it. It is best for the player. But even if you are thinking about this in some cynical way on what is best for the team, I think it's best for the team, too. So it doesn't matter which school of thought you want to come from here, because to me, when you use Christian McCaffrey at an over 90% snap share, that's just too much. There's no reason. There's no reason for that. I know he's your best offensive player. I get it. But if you're going to invest that much money, don't you want him to last a little bit longer? And some of this is just freak injuries because of the position that you play. But also when you're still reportedly rushing him back, behind closed doors after soft tissue injuries. That's the exact wrong way to handle your best offensive player. Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba looked very good the second half of the season, specifically running the football. And I should say, I've given the guy a hard time as far as the kind of threat he is in in the passing game. He's not great, but he actually got better as the season went on there. And I I should acknowledge that more when talking about Chuba Hubbard. So I hope that Miles Sanders doesn't come in and give you this 85% snap share, anything close to what McCaffrey did. That would make sense. But yeah, I think it is best for the team and best for Miles Sanders to get the most on your return with this contract to go ahead and give Chuba a decent amount of snaps. And if you like Rasheem Blackshear, go ahead and give him some third down back opportunity. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see if Miles Sanders actually does end up being a really big signing this year. When we come back, we're going to recap some Jake Fisher audio from last week. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Back with Wes and Walker on Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Had Jake Fisher on of Yahoo Sports. Plenty of other publications last week to talk about the NBA draft and really specifically the Charlotte Hornets. He gave us a lot of fantastic information. We're going to get to that in just a second. I did want to go to the text line. We threw a lot at you. We usually do. And then like a winding road, we find ourselves taking exits to different conversations. And then we try to circle back, get back on the highway and answer some of those questions that you put your text message in with. We were asking about some of the better state playoff moments that you experienced in high school. 704 wrote in Charlotte, we used to always play mountain schools in the playoffs. We'd upset them every year. Big, slow mountain boys. I'm telling you, the mountain guys, though, all they did was play basketball and we'd get beat. And they had some D1 dudes. They would go to, I mean, John Cannon, like I mentioned, he went to Georgia. There was somebody that went to UNC Asheville, a couple of Asheville guys. But, yeah, we couldn't get past the damn mountain schools, man. You better be ready to go when you go up there because everybody from Charlotte knows when you went to the mountains, what was the first thing your coach would tell you? Do not worry about the refs because you're not getting any calls <laughs> when you go up there. So don't even think about it. Um, Tar Hill Matt had a fantastic memory said first round two-way basketball playoffs i was sophomore backup point guard for east lincoln hey crib i played east lincoln starting point guard and star player drives lane with 14 seconds left down one he twists his ankle as he's fouled coach calls on me to shoot the two free throws nailed them both we defeated star mount 72 to 71 to advance ultimately losing to shelby in the semifinals that's a good, hey, kid, you're up moment, and yeah. then delivering. So Tar Heel Matt having a nice memory. Casey Steve said, played safety at Ragsdale High School. We played Hickory at Keenan Stadium. Mm. They had a Jerome Bettis running back who made us question life. <laughs> I think I've asked you this a couple times. Was there ever a high school athlete that made you question life with your game that you had to play against them? But oh, you were yeah. So, you were a big dude, No, though. no, no, no. There was somebody no. who was it? Who was when it? When I was in ninth grade, man, one of my – seminal moments in my career was we played against uh, West Mecklenburg High School and I was playing defensive end at the time. I, I was all of like 200 pounds and I remember coming out playing against these guys and they had a lineman named Jerobi Gray that was 360 pounds. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> so I had gone to camps with them and all that and he was about 360s, about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and then he had a homeboy that used to go to camps with him that was on the offensive line with him, and I don't know what his real name was, but I know they called him Junior, and there was nothing Junior about him. He was about the same size as well, 350, 360. Man, I was scared to death playing against them. I thought, I was like, Lord, I'm like, if these dudes fall on me, they started singing to me before the game was over. Oh, no. Yes, they were singing a popular song at the time, Butter Love. And they were singing that to me by the end of the game because I was just. That's some yeah. that's some real creepy Soft. bullying stuff. <laughs> Soft. You know what I'm saying? But I can't blame it because going back and looking on it, how I used to do guys once I got, you know, my thing together. You know, I was trying to smash and intimidate on people any yeah. way that I could. But at that time, like I said, I won't always tell you the. The guts and glory, man. I'll tell you the bad times, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was super soft that game, and I was scared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 360 <laughs> in high school. That's a little bit of a different different type of athlete. Shroppy, you had something you had to face in high school one time? 
Uh, there was a few times whenever we, I was playing high school hockey that uh, I literally got the snot knocked out of me whenever I was mm. playing. So that yeah. was always fun. Against the wall? Uh, no, open ice hit. Just literally knocked the snot out of me. I was uh, quite quite an experience for sure. I want more shroppy hockey tales. How good were you? Uh, I was okay. I, whenever I was growing up, I played goalie for travel hockey. I was pretty good at that. And then whenever I swapped to play in high school, we already had two goalies that were on the team and pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I just filled in as defense because I had played that a few times growing up. And, I mean, I was all right. I definitely wasn't great. I wasn't the best player on the team or anything. But, you know, I was a good stay-at-home defenseman. Okay. And you got yeah. that ring. Hell, hell yeah. That's dude. all that matters. Shroppy got the ring. One more playoff memory, and then we can move on to some other text. And then Jake Fisher. 704 said, I have a baseball state championship ring from the late 90s. Honored the 25-year reunion a few weeks ago. And a lot of the team came back to be called out on the field at the game. Not one of us wore a ring. Coach thought we were all idiots. That was really the only time it was okay to wear one. There's somebody else that just... Wins a state ring, decides that they don't really care. Do you have yours? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't turn it down. No. Yeah, I got mine. And I got that instead of having my uh, my senior ring or whatever it was. I just got the yeah. championship ring. Yeah, I said, yeah, I think that's good enough. That's one thing we did not do. Did you get senior rings, like class rings in high school, Wes, or did most people turn that down? Uh, We got we got senior rings. I'm trying to think, did I get mine from Vance? Did I get a senior ring? We did it. No, nobody really got that as far as my friend group goes. No. Everybody else turned yeah, that down. I, I it seems like a scam, I... doesn't it? It seems like, yeah, like, give us more money. And you you want to go with participation trophy culture? Like, I graduated high school, man. I don't need a ring for it. It's <laughs> 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 not some LeBron James moment. 704 LeBron said. James. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you coming up with some stuff I didn't know you had. 704 number said, why do you see all these teams? This is a Panther one, as we were mm-hmm. talking about Miles Sanders stuff. Mm-hmm. Why do you see all these teams making moves, getting players, why the Panthers are not making any? I don't understand. They just did a lot of their work at the beginning yeah, part of the offseason. and off if you season. trust the coaching staff, you feel like they know what they have, and so they don't mm-hmm. feel like they need to go out bargain shopping at this point because this is what it is. Fans get upset when you're not going out signing. This is bargain shopping, mm-hmm. folks. You're not signing anybody that's going to win you a Super Bowl at this point. Uh, Chris in West Charlotte said, Wes, I went to West Mac. I vividly remember Junior. That was a large man, all cap. Yeah, two of them on the same side. Uh-huh. Uh, Red Dog Mick, <laughs> he said Chris Leak is still on my blacklist. Um, because I'm sure Chris Leak just whooped uh, up on everybody. Yeah. That's what I was telling you, Brad, when he came out with us. Brad had 1,600 yards. <laughs> he was so many. He was the slot. Yeah. The slot. And then you have Mario Rayleigh out there that had almost 2,000. And then the other kid, I forget how much he had, like 1,200. It was crazy. Um, last one. Joe Gibbs Jr. said, question of the day, boys. Jeff copped out on going to see Denver possibly win the championship tonight. Ooh. Is Wes... He said Wes with a lot of Z's. Okay. So he put some stank on it. <laughs> Wes, is he going to Omaha if Wake gets to the championship series? You tell us, Wes. Uh, yeah, man. I got a lot of stuff to pay for this summer. <laughs> so that would be an added expense. I don't know that I could uh, be able to pull that off. It'd be a, a fun road trip to go on. You don't want to make something shake for Omaha, Nebraska? Yeah, Bruh. nah. That's a long trip. They got to get back. And- Omaha, bruh? Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, no right. Omaha for um, me. Um, let's go to some re, uh, some audio recap because Jake Fisher had a lot of great things, just information-wise. Don't know if it was a glowing review on Charlotte, but we were just seeking some information from one Jake Fisher. And we have some of that audio for you here. So let's talk a little bit more about the number two overall pick for the Charlotte Hornets and them working out the Thompson twins. 
Wes asked the question about the chances Charlotte would actually trade back, not select at number two, probably not three with Portland either. So then maybe you start to look at that Houston Rockets pick at number four. Here's Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports discussing the chances that the Hornets might trade back in the draft and avoiding Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. I mean, they're there. So clearly they're giving them a shot. I think Cam Whitmore is also going to be someone they bring in and really look at. But from every talent evaluator I've spoken to, any scout that's been doing this for a while, who's a opinion I trust, you'd be kind of crazy not to take one of those two guys. Whether there's some type of medical red flag that comes up or if Brandon Miller's background and his incident with you know that gun charge and that old um, unfortunate event that led to someone's death in Alabama. Like, if that's too much for this typically conservative front office to bring in, when you also have to factor in, they're most likely going to be re-signing and bringing back Miles Bridges in some capacity. That could be something that plays their way. I saw Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer put together his first mock draft, and he discussed not only the fit side with Scoot and how he was okay with it. He had Scoot Henderson going to the Charlotte Hornets at number two. But he also said maybe we should be questioning the fit, which to your credit, you've done this a decent amount, questioning the loaded front court or at least crowded front court that you might have. Yeah. If you bring back PJ, if you bring back Miles, you don't trade Gordon Hayward. Brandon Miller is your second overall pick. You have some position versatility in the front court with Cody Martin. Wes, this is something that you've hypothesized despite leaning towards Brandon being that pick. Yeah, and that's why I said. I said, I think this is the offseason. They need to figure out what is the direction of this franchise going forward. Who's your big two? Who's your big three? Who are going to be the three guys? Because you think if they bring Miles back, P.J. Washington and those guys, you think they're going to care that Brandon Miller is the number two pick and he's out there trying to get hits and trying to feel his way through the league? No, they're out there trying to earn their money. They're out there trying to earn their all-star appearances and get their reputations up in the league. So I think it's a bad mix. You've got to define this roster this offseason. You have a lot of good players. Which direction are you going to go? That's why I say if you draft Brandon Miller, you don't need to bring back Miles Bridges. Leave him alone because at that point – it, they they both play the same position, essentially. You could maybe s- slide Brandon Miller to the two, but let's figure it out. If you draft Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, what's your big three? Is it going to be, are you going to bring back Miles, and then it's going to be Melo and said number two pick? Is that going to be your big three? Which way are you going to go with it? And then whichever guys don't fit into that scenario, you need to move on from them and get role players and or draft pick whatever it is you and i both agree that you don't trade back to get a thompson twin no you stay home at number two you take scoot or brandon and then whatever effects that might have on the roster that comes in the free agency period you don't allow the second overall pick moving back to third or fourth and taking what is at least considered right now as a less talented guy i know we don't have all the info this is all guesswork the nfl draft mlb nba whatever draft you want to roll with It's all guesswork. I get it. But when you have a tier that includes Scoot and Brandon, and then you take one drop off, and then you get to the Thompson Twins and whoever else, let's just go ahead and stay in that tier and then have the roster be affected by free agency decisions instead. You brought up Miles Bridges. Let's go to that soundbite, Shroppy. Jake Fisher did say he expects Miles Bridges to be back, and he also talked about the contract value. 
I do expect him to be back. That was one of the consistent words that came up at the Combine in Chicago in mid-May, so about three weeks ago. There hasn't been a ton of belief that other teams would be trying to really be creative and aggressive and in, in, in bringing him on after uh, what unfolded off the court last summer. So I would expect he's going to get something of four years. I think they'll give him a legitimate long-term second contract off the rookie deal that the team would have given him prior to all of what has unfolded, but it's not going to be close to the maximum salary he was going to be coveting I mean, this time last year. I disregard a lot of mock drafts that have Brandon Miller or Scoot right now going to the Hornets because we just don't know. Jake Fisher even told you at the beginning of this interview we had that it's all guesswork. Nobody knows what the Charlotte Hornets are thinking. Any sources you see, it's going to be from the outside. I do put stock into this with what Jake Fisher is talking about, because he might not be getting information from Charlotte. Maybe he is. But when he said that was a main takeaway from the combine, when you have a restricted free agent and you have other franchises that can put forth an offer sheet, and if he's not hearing a whole lot of interest outside of Charlotte, where everybody else is like, no, we're not really trying to be creative to go get miles. We don't know. That's going to affect, all right, well, now you can start to at least Check off a few boxes. All right, Indiana, they were reportedly interested once upon a time. They're not trying to move mountains to get them. All right, what about Detroit? Michigan guy, no, Detroit, they're young. They've got their core. So once you start to check off a lot of teams, who's left? It's Charlotte, which would make sense because it's just the easy thing to do. You bring somebody back. Mitch Kupchak was going to bring them back at 30 mil a year. He told you even after the incident that it was a huge effect as to why they weren't able to reach the play-in tournament. So we can all expect him to be back. What do you make of the contract value, though, with him throwing out an idea? It's not set in stone, but him throwing out the idea, no, it's not going to be 30 mil a year, but still four years instead of five at 100 instead of 130. Not the biggest contract, but still a decent-sized contract. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I feel like, again, it's just kind of rewarding what he's done. I mean, he loses a little bit, but not that much. I think he needs a prove-it deal before you give him any type of long-term commitment. I bring him in, one-year contract, huge stipulations in it. I don't want to see the guys you've been hanging with. I don't want to see anything similar to what we saw before this incident happened. And so um, that, that's how I think it should go. Four years, $100 million, I just think that's way too much, too early for him. He's got a lot of proving to do to that organization that he's a guy that they can trust. I want to get to some more sound bites, man, but sometimes we just have to push the content back a little bit because I do want to have this combo a little more with the miles contract value. I've told you a million times. I just don't know what value to put forth for miles because this has been one of the bigger off court incidents we've seen for a guy that was set to make a lot of money. And it all happened so fast because he turned himself in to be arrested for felony domestic violence the day before free agency started. And so now it's like, what in the hell do we do here? What's going on? So when you talk about Miles making this kind of money, if Jake Fisher is telling you, and if this is true, right, because it's all still just trying to figure out what teams are thinking at the moment, and they might change their minds, but if Jake Fisher is telling you that he doesn't expect a lot of offer sheets from other franchises, then maybe Miles doesn't have a whole lot of leverage. And if that's the case... Maybe he doesn't make $25 million a year. Certainly not going to get close to 30 because that's a lot. And at that point, that within itself is a detriment. So do you get him more for 20 And I don't even want to look at that as an advantage because it does feel gross still to say, oh, well, now we can get him for a better deal. Oh, he was arrested for felony domestic violence. This works out for the Hornets. 
We are not about to live in that space. At least me. I know I'm not. But I do wonder if that is an effect to where now the Charlotte Hornets are not pressured to give him more money, even if they want him back, because no other team is giving him that kind of offer sheet. That's something that I do wonder out there in the world. All right, let's take a quick break. But of course, not before we get to a new segment that just debuted. Instead of the Fitty Flash, we got to shrop it like it's hot. What you got? All right, so I know we uh, we did a little Wake Forest talk earlier, but I'm going to go ahead and look at who has advanced so far um, outside of them in the College World Series for the men's. Uh, so... In the first bracket, we have Wake Forest and LSU, who have already punched their ticket to Omaha. And in the second bracket, we have those matchups already set with Florida taking on Virginia and Oral Oral Roberts taking on TCU. Who do you guys think uh, is going to come out of that second bracket? I just don't know how you pick against Wake. I'll do the local thing, but I read you those scores. They lost or they won 5-4 against Alabama, and that's been their worst game in the entire tournament. They just as all right. We only won by one run. We're gonna beat you by 17 the next go around. Wes, I really feel like you should start looking into Omaha trips. I would like <laughs> you to be our reporter on site talking about one of the more dominant runs in college baseball history. I would like that uh, that to happen. Yeah, that's the thing, man. It's like, how do you go about beating Wake? And I'm not saying they're unbeatable. Miami just did it. But just what's the way you're gonna attack them? Because it all depends on how the bats are going. This is a team that we just talked about, the run differential, plus 59 since the tournament has started. But the pitching is ridiculous. They smother you offensively and defensively. They've proven they can win a close game this weekend, beating Alabama 5-4. to four. Then they proved that they can blow you out. So I think it's going to be Wake Forest. No question about it. They get the job done. All right. We all believe in Wake Forest. We also believe in you. Coming up with fantastic questions. It's the Monday Mailbag. Don't know if it's going to be a new segment, but... We wanted a segment here at 145. So tell us your favorite questions. We've got some to fall back on. You can also have a question for Shroppy if you want that. There Bring are it. no rules except for the ones that are given to us by the FCC. So we still have to abide by those. It's Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Monday, folks, but you don't have to treat it like that. We're here to bring sunshine and cheer so your Monday afternoon, this is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit We're going to bust your speakers line. out with that one. That is a bass <laughs> yeah, song. I love, I love song. some Denzel Curry. Dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Hit up, uh, hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit those socials. Hit that follow button. We got... All the content that you want. Listen, man, we're going to start hitting on more trending topics. You're just brushing over things uh, for you, letting you know some of the big, big stories going on right now. Walking, I was talking during the break, which 
again, we had another moment where our age, I think, kind of played into the situation. But this Floyd Mayweather-John Gotti thing, man, they had some type of uh, celebrity fight, and he called it like some type of last names matter event, I think was what he billed it. So with Gotti and Mayweather, and it just got out of hand. Fight ended in a brawl, six rounds in. They said Mayweather toyed with him the whole entire time. It wasn't even close, but I guess Gotti, who's a fighter for real, thinks that he's a real fighter and could beat Floyd Mayweather. Talking big trash, he said the crews got into it before the fight. Now, social media, Gotti's daughter, Nicolette Gotti, going at Floyd Mayweather's daughter, talking reckless. I mean, this is just insane. The, the Gotti's, they're definitely playing up to their last name as far as just the violence and all the things that were known from their father and then Floyd Mayweather. Man, this is just getting out of hand. And then I come to discover, because when walking outside this morning, and I thought that he was in the know, and then he tells me during the break, I have no idea who John Gotti is. You can roast me if you guys want. <laughs> the only time I'd ever heard of John Gotti, anytime he was referenced in rap songs, because I have heard that. I know Yo Gotti. I do know him. I don't think he's the same guy, but I, I definitely know who Yo Gotti is. Um, I can't tell you that I, I knew the significance. And so when we discuss trending topics, my trending topics might always be a little different from what we have with Wes. And some of the things that I might go to on Twitter, my timeline not, might not suggest that John Gotti and Floyd Mayweather is going to be trending. And so I don't have <laughs> anything for you on that. All I know is Mayweather is still out here fighting. That's my question. Yeah, just exhibitions. He's doing exhibitions, man. They paying him big checks to come out there and toy around with people, um, and he's doing it. All right, so if you have any questions, because it is the Monday Mailbag, so feel free to ask us any question you got, 704-570-9610. It could be about the Panthers. It could be about a trending topic. It could be about whatever you want it to be, 704-570-9610. Did you have a first question you wanted to lead off with, Wes? What you got for us? Well, let's talk about uh, when we go to the first questions we talked about on Friday, who your favorite transformer was i went to see transformers last night the new one rise of the beast they got the they have the gorilla transformers which was really dope the the i think it was a cheetah if i'm not mistaken so it was really cool uh did you guys go check out any movies over this weekend do no, anything cool? no i did not i was uh too busy celebrate my dog's birthday That's at right. sophia's and lounge you had to recover the, the next day i did i recovered the next day honestly not that bad because we dipped out a little bit earlier we stayed stayed there a couple three hours <laughs> though um so that was good but yes that's what we did over the weekend i do not have a favorite transformer that's another topic i don't know much about 980 number wrote in what omg walker we need a guy's day out man sheesh like not knowing who that is we need a guy's day. hey that's fine i'm down to have a good time but to your credit i'll give you some credit though when i said teflon dying you did kind of i know yeah yeah you knew what that was 100 percent. moose wrote in will walker let me take him out for wings and will west let me take him out to the new spider-man and flash movies you know, I do turn down people paying for me because Fiddy's got me. Ruined it for you. He's got me a little shy on that front. I did drink the water that he got me the other day. I don't know if he's going to hold that over me on the Kyle Bailey show later on. I don't know if that's probably. a way. He's, it probably, Shropper, you're probably right. But I don't mind going out with the people. Wes, if you wanted to do some weekend shenanigans with some of the listeners, that might be fun I'm with as well. That. I'll meet you guys out, man. Let me know. Let's do a Panther question before we start to get some more on the text line. DJ Chark said Bryce Young has garnered the respect of the entire locker room. Seems like we get these quotes quite a bit, Wes. We do. How will this manifest itself on the field where everyone plays for the jobs? Everybody needs to, 
I don't know about kiss up to the quarterback, but you know who is going to be the starter. You know it's going to be Bryce Young. Even if you do have your own job to worry about, even if you might view it from a cynical standpoint like that, it does feel all of this is genuine that people really like Bryce Young as their QB. I think it's interesting because some of the sports podcasts that I've been talking to lately, like I listen to Robert Ory on All the Smoke and some of the different guys, and they were talking about to win championships, how important camaraderie is in chemistry. And so they were saying a lot of teams that even if you have all the talent, and I'm not saying anything earth shattering here, but just saying that even if you have all the talent. And so I think this is where it's going to play into the most that the quarterback being the guy he is universally uniting the team. I feel like it's just going to give guys in the locker room and the meetings and all of that stuff, more of a feel good vibe where guys enjoy coming to work. Because the reason I worded the question the way I did it's like, is it going to make guys play harder for him? Mm-hmm. Maybe 2%. But again, your paycheck's on the line. Your livelihood's on the line. So are you going to play any harder than you would any other game or anything like that? So that was an interesting part of that to me is that, okay, how is this universal respect that he's garnering going to play it itself into the team? And I think it will make the team, I guess, give it more of the 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 brotherhood type of atmosphere. And I think he will be able to unite a lot of guys and I think that guys will have a confidence in believing that they can go out and win with a player like that. I think everybody is talking about how much they buy into Bryce Young, the veterans, the newcomers to this franchise. I think all signs are pointing up as far as how much respect Bryce Young is garnering. I do want to get to a couple of other text messages here. Two Live Drew, he said, curious to know if Wes knew how good his girlfriend was when they went bowling for the first time. If not, would have loved to see his reaction as she was crushing those pins. You said you didn't know that she was that good until she started getting strike after strike after strike. No, no, no. I did know. I knew that early about her because we have been dating for a while before we actually ever got to go bowling because she knew I wanted to see it. Because I learned, like I said, when you go to college, man, people, not everybody, but most people are pretty good at what they do and they're in college for a reason on a scholarship. So I have been wanting <laughs> yeah. to see something as skillful as bowling uh, in in person because I know how difficult I find it personally to bowl. So I had been begging her to go. So once we went, I was excited. I didn't care how bad she was going to beat me. I knew the beating was coming. I didn't care. I wanted to see her get busy. And after about that third frame, man, it started to take shape. And it was just. Yeah, it was Oh, and wait. And then, Walker, Mm -hmm. remember when we had dinner? I mean, when we were hanging. And then she started describing to you about the bowling and the lanes and the and the balls and all that stuff. And I'm just sitting there like. I took my time to get some tips from the not professional, but close to as professional of a bowler that I'm going to meet. Yeah, and she was breaking it down to a science, and I'm like, good Lord. Well, and that's what separates. Well, I'm a spinner. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I like to spin. <laughs> that was some judgment. Yeah. Why do you have judgment for you me? try hard in the bowling alley. I dude. am. I, I came here to win. <laughs> I don't do it all the time, but I try my best. And it's because... I've been doing it wrong with the house balls because they don't have enough friction or grip to start to spin from the outside, going and trying to hit the one, three, two pocket, whatever it is. But when I have somebody else's bowling balls to work with, it's a lot better because they're not house balls. And so she demonstrated this to me and I'm like, okay, now I know I need to switch it up anytime I have to use the bowling balls that the Penn Station will give you. Penn Station crib, once again, a lot of crib references. <laughs> Last one, Chuck T wrote this one in. Um, yo, this is Chuck T with the 27th pick. I like the Imani Bates kid. What say y'all? Imani Bates was a top recruit coming in, went to Memphis, 
wasn't good. Transferred to Eastern Michigan. Not even fantastic there. I think Imani Bates is going to be well available past the 27th pick. And if you wanted him, you'd probably be looking at a second round flyer. And the Hornets have plenty of second round flyers. If you wanted to talk Imani, go ahead. If you yeah. wanted to ask another question, go ahead. Yeah, because uh, I think, though, he went there. He wasn't very efficient, 40% from the field. He shot 33% from three, but averaged 19. So he kind of got a little bit back from Memphis, what he didn't have. Real quick, I'll just say I was a huge fan of this guy when he came out. He was a Sports Illustrated kid. They were talking about how he was the next KD. He was this. He was that. So I was very uh, into his recruiting, and I thought he was going to be a stud. So it's going to be interesting, but he's a second-round pick. They're not taking him at 27. What you got, Shrop? Who's the guy from Kansas State that popped off in the NCAA tournament? You oh, I know name? you're talking about the little guard. That do, you, was... do you think he would be around, and if so, would you – Oh, he'll be around. He I wouldn't do anything. Is he back at school? Is he is he draft eligible? I, I thought. Think, I think he's draft yeah. eligible. We can go back to him. If you don't like small players, then this is not going to be the guy for you. <laughs> I will say that oh, yeah. he was awesome in the tournament. A lot of fun. Um, I just I don't think he's going to get drafted very high because he is just so short, and he's also an older player. So he's been playing college basketball for quite some time. Yeah. And that matters a lot to these execs that are trying to evaluate who still has a ceiling. So if he reached his ceiling because he's such an older player at Kansas State and he's so small, is this somebody that you can depend on at the next level? He'll be available for all of the draft picks that I, I feel confident in that. And I don't think Charlotte would take a flyer on him. I'm going to take us out here. 704-570-9610. Feel free to write in any other question you have. It's Wes and Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. With one more hour to go, who can take the next step for the Carolina Panthers into elite range? You're listening to Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.